0: Hey, it's good to see you guys today. Happy Easter to everybody. All right. Oh, what a great day to be together. And uh, hey, got a couple of Hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we're going to be today. Hey, while you're turning there, I want to give you an update. Uh, we decided to do it today because because a lot lot of you know, most most everybody comes and is here on today. And I'll give you an update on the children's building. If you haven't heard about it, we're building A new children's building just for our children here at the church, and it's pretty exciting. And so we've been uh, raising, uh, and and so I wanted to give you an update. Uh, We we, we've had a great start. We're right at about um, in the last few weeks about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and from about yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, It's a great start. We got a little bit more to go, right? Two million is the key, and and so uh, but I, I feel great about it. I really do. And so we're, uh, we'll be telling you more about in the weeks to come, but I've had so many people come to me, hey, can you give us an update, can you give us an update? So anyway, so, uh, but it's going to be a neat thing. I tell you what, guys, in the world in which we live, I tell you, one of the greatest places for us as a church to pour our resources is into our children, and into our children's ministry, our students, right? And, uh, and so anyway, it's just it's pretty neat. So, uh, so, but you can, you can go online, check out that, if you'd like to know more about how to be involved, and uh, and all of those things, I have found that the my prayer is I just want I just want us all together doing this. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, First Corinthians chapter 15. I've got some uh, I've got some I've got some exciting things I want to share with you today, and uh, and looking forward to um, to the, to this time. And, and uh, we've been in this series. This this is the end, the culmination of a series that we have done um, uh, on the last week on the last week of Christ. Uh, we've talked about Gethsemane, we've talked about uh, Judas and Peter, we've, uh, we've done a couple of weeks on the cross. Last week, we actually talked about, about the resurrection, and we talked about what happened at the resurrection. And so, and so today, it's real important for us to, to, to finish that look out, because I want you to know, today is not going to just be the, the, you know, what happened, that was last week, Today is going to be, so, so what does that accomplish? What does that accomplish in our lives? Practically, what does that mean? And so, so anyway, I'm looking forward to share this because over, over the last few months at Christmas time, I did, I did a series called Simply Christmas. And we just talked about, we just talked about who Jesus is. Because as I've been sharing with you, I'm going to share it as many times as I possibly can, is that the gospel is really simple. And you know, when you hear people talk about the gospel, you hear hear about two things. You hear about, number one, who Jesus is. Therefore, he was Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And And he came to do what he came to do. But he could not have done what he did if he wasn't who he says that he was. And, and really was that. So the two go together. So we put these two together, and today is kind of the culmination of that. It's kind of the picture of, okay, so, so what does that mean? Okay, he rose. He rose. What, what, what does that mean? I think a lot of people know kind of the, the tomb, and they know the, that Mary went to the tomb early in the morning, and he's risen, he's alive, all those things. Okay, but the greater great question is, okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean to you and to, and, and to me? And so I'm, I've, I've just been looking forward to share this with you. If we put some time in to share it, wanting to share it with you and wanting to share it with in a clear way, because, uh, because we do see that it is that important. You know, one of the great keys to remember all right, is the God who created us. And I want you to hear this piece, is that not, not only does God exist, but obviously we have a creation of which we are part of that creation. Uh the probabilities of of our existence being chance are are just astronomical. I mean, it really is because when you think about the intricacies of who we are, the God who created everything when you think about when you think about everything that works together, when you think about a, a complex brain that that stores information, when you think about eyes that can visually see and distinguish between light and colors. When you think about ears, that can hear all different decibels and different ranges of sound. And you put all that together, it is, it is an incredible, an incredible creation, this thing we call us. And therefore, wherever order exists, that is things that are put in order, it always suggests that somebody put them there. You know, it's kind of like the watch on my, on my wrist or the, the phone in my pocket, I when I think about those things, those things just didn't happen. Those things were made by somebody. So therefore, when you see the creation in which you live, then I want you to understand that that gives rise to somebody who put it into motion. And not only that, but we've been created in, in certain ways. Um, and the biggest thing to remember, and I'll talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, the biggest thing to remember, is that the God who created you, uh, who also loves you, also created you to have a relationship with him. We'll talk a little bit about more about that in a minute. So as we walk through this, today is about, about getting answers to our, our greatest questions. In reality, is to is to getting answers to our greatest needs. And and this, this thing we call life, it can be summed up in this, in this thing that we celebrate today. You know, I've found that this is one day of the year that everybody, with, with as busy as everybody is and with this people having to go out of town, you know, for business and everybody's everywhere, this is the one time of the year we just don't want to miss because of what today represents. I'm going to tell you, if Jesus really was who he says he was, and he truly came to do what he came to do, there is no greater day than today. I mean, it just, because if truly death has an answer, I, this is the day to celebrate. If he truly is who he says he was, and if he truly did what he came to do, there is no greater day. And so, so as we put this together, and as we understand, and, and, and then I just want to just share with you some, some simple things. But this is all about the difference, what happens at the resurrection that, 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 that makes the difference in our lives. So here's what I would like to do, answers, answers. And we're going to go through the first one a, quick, a little bit quickly because I shared this at the first of the year. But, but basically, it's going to go this way, is that the resurrection uh, gives us an answer to our past. It gives us an answer to our present, and it gives us an answer to our future. Those are the three things I want to talk to you about. Because every one of you in here have a past, every one of you in here have a present, and every one of you has a future. And every one of you in here, and every one worldwide, has things that they need. We're going to talk about those. It's pretty neat. Now, number one is an answer to, the, to our past. An answer to our past. What does that mean? Well, I've, I've found, I found obviously, most all of us after we live, you look back, the past is is that we are all in need of forgiveness. That becomes the great picture. We're all in need of forgiveness. In fact, let me share with you just a couple of verses, just to kind of put this in in, in perspective. First Corinthians 15, three and four. For I delivered to you what also of first importance. What I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that He was buried. And then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, Matthew twenty six twenty six. This was this was the Lord's Supper, okay? this was when Jesus we did this Friday. We even did it during this series. We talked about Passover, and take a look at what it says there. Jesus took the bread and he broke it, said, "Take eat, this is my body." And he took the cup and when he given thanks and gave it to them, saying, "Drink of it, all of you." He goes on to say, "This is the uh, this is my blood, this is my blood of the covenant." which is poured out for many, here we go, for the forgiveness of sins. Interesting. Colossians 2.13, And you who were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having having forgiven all of our trespasses. So what is this thing? It's this thing that all of us need, and it's this thing called forgiveness. It is such an important issue. Every one of us in the room needs this. You know, we, I, in fact, this is so important. I spent, I spent the first five or six weeks this year in January talking about this. And so I'm not going to go into it totally, but I do want you to understand is that this is what the resurrection, this is one of the things the resurrection did, and that was forgiveness. Forgiveness, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is an interesting thing. I always like to explain it. I always like people to understand it remember that forgiveness, while it's an incredible thing to think about, it is not always easy. When you receive forgiveness, it can be a beautiful thing, but when you're the one that has to give it, it can be a pretty hard thing to do. Because what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is, it's, it's basically an accounting term, right? In fact, it was originally re- used as an accounting term. So what happens is, if you owe me $1,000, right, and i uh, and I say, okay, I forgive you of that debt. I want you to understand that that means that the debt's been canceled. That means you don't owe me anymore. What do you think about that for a minute? You don't owe me anymore. Now, if you don't owe me anymore, then who paid for the debt? I did. Whoever the one, whoever the one that's has an, has debt. To, and it, so that becomes the picture then. Forgiveness then is loosing someone and they don't owe you anymore. So the word forgiveness now is translated not just into economics, but it's translated into, into relationships and into other things. Forgiveness is somebody has wronged you. Forgiveness is that thing that you, you say, okay, I'm not going to hold you against that. You, you have not forgiven them. If you harbor a grudge, you haven't forgiven them. I don't care what comes out of your mouth. Why? Because basically the meaning of forgiveness is loosing and letting someone go. So if that's what, that's what you, it's one of the things you needed most, is you needed forgiveness, God's forgiveness. Because there's this this incredible picture then of what Christ did at the cross and the resurrection that brings forgiveness. And it's amazing. It is incredible to think about the freedom that comes from someone who is forgiven. Guys, I can't tell you how important this piece is. People, our world—it's the reason we have—we have so many struggles going around us. Our world that lives in their guilt, and their and their consciences, and long to be loosed from those things. It just is interesting to understand that this is this is what today represents. Forgiveness. You know, when somebody owes a huge debt. And that is truly forgiven. It is a remarkable thing to think of the freedom that comes with that. You know, when people say to me, Well, you know, Jeff, I just don't feel forgiven. Okay, let me ask you a question Would you rather be forgiven or feel forgiven? I found out if you are forgiven, I have found out that eventually you'll begin to feel it if you'll keep living in it. A lot of times, People who have already received God's forgiveness because of what Christ did for us at the cross and resurrection, they haven't learned to live in the freedom of it yet. And I can't tell you how important that is. That is the greatest thing that God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to wallow around in guilt and depression. Because what is depression but anger turned inward? And usually anger is turned inward because you're trying to punish yourself. Isn't that interesting how that works? Forgiveness is what sets you free from those things. So what Christ came to do was to let you live in freedom. And I don't think there's anything that God loves more than when you live in the freedom he's already given to you. When you think about the prodigal son who came home, he didn't say, okay, you can can live outside with the pigs, but you you don't deserve to live in the house. No, he probably felt that way. He probably felt really guilty. But I want you to know the prodigal son he was forgiven and accepted fully back into the family. That is a remarkable thing to think about. Acts chapter 13 and verse 35. Therefore, think about this. Therefore, he says in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy ones see corruption. That's a prophecy from the book of Psalms that just basically said that Jesus was not going to see decay. This will come up later, but everything, think about this. Everything in this world decays that means it goes downhill. Uh, Everything does. If you have food that you leave out, it starts to to decay. Um, These bodies that we live in, right? All right, unless you're real young, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I always like to say, if you don't understand, then just go look at your high school graduation picture. And uh, it's like, Jeff, why do you always say that? I don't know. It's just one of the greatest illustrations there is. I looked at mine the other day, and I was like, you know, I hadn't changed a bit, right? I hadn't changed a bit. I mean, the rest of you, I know you have, but I haven't changed any. But of course, so therefore, everything in this world is subject to decay. That is what makes Easter so incredible. It's reversing that. That is, that is, I mean, we'll get to it in just a minute. Just so you understand, that's what he's talking about here. And then he goes on in verse 36 and says, for David... Uh, after he served the purposes of God, it says in his own generation, he fell asleep, which means he died, uh, and he saw corruption. That means when he died, he, he began to decay, which everything happens. I mean, it's kind of gross, but it's the picture here he's talking about, right? But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. So something that Christ himself did. Let it known, be known, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin, is proclaimed to you through the resurrection, right? And by him, everyone who believes is freed, freedom from everything for which you could not be freed from, from the law of Moses. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Have you ever understood why Jesus said this? Come unto me, all you who are weary. That's what the word labor there means. I mean that and you're weary and, and you're burdened, heavy laden, carrying a heavy load. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. It is what we search for the most: peace, comfort, because we're not talking about just physical sleep. I mean, if you're just tired because you hadn't had enough sleep, then go get some sleep. Life is good. That's not what we're talking about having rest, right? We're talking about having some peace when we lay down. If that seems too good to be true, let me tell you what. It is good and it is true. That's the reason Jesus said it. That's the reason he came. That's the reason he came. Number one is to provide you an answer for your past. An answer that you need. And that you need desperately. Number two number two, is what I'm going to call an answer to our present. You know, this, this part is rarely talked about. I mean, we talk about, okay, the answer to death and the future and all that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, okay, because that's what today's about. But the one thing we I think so many fail to realize are the promises that God's made to you and the answers that he's given to you, not in what's going to happen, but right now. John chapter 10, verse 10, says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm ready. I had a guy come up to me. He called, him, he, called himself, he called his mind the committee. It was classic. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. He called his mind. I mean, he wasn't split personality or anything. He just was, he says, the committee up here says, when does that start happening? In other words, things are saying to himself, when do, where, where's that line? I want to I get in that line. But it comes from, obviously, who Christ is, what he did at the cross. A couple of things I want you to see. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says this. May the God of the hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Hope, joy, peace. Guys, I'm telling you, it is something that this world searches for. Everybody in this room searches for. Contentment, satisfaction, peace, whatever you want to call it. You know, I've shared with you before, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper. There was, a, there was an author who put this, what I call this human plight or human condition or whatever you want to call it. But it's in all of us. And he called it, his name was C.S. Lewis, he called it a whole in the soul. And what he was trying to say by that is if you can catch on to what he's talking about he says that what is it that's about us that nothing ever truly satisfies us. I mean yeah we can get a quick fix right or we can have a little contentment or peace in the short term but what is it about us what is it about us that nothing ever that's why Jesus said, was it matter if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul, right? In other words, what? I mean, Alexander the Great conquered everything and then cried at the age of 32 because there was nothing left to conquer. So what is that thing about us in here? Well, let me tell you. You were created to have a relationship with the God that created you. And when that relationship goes unfulfilled, there's something missing. And our world desperately tries to fill those empty places with other things. Guys, I understand that picture. I I do. I see it. You see, I didn't become a believer until I was was 21. I'd gone to church, right? I mean, if you grew up in Tennessee in the time in which I grew up, everybody went to church. Didn't mean everybody was a believer. I have to be honest, it's a little more refreshing Can I say a little more refreshing? Is that the way I'd say it? It's a little more refreshing here in Florida because I have found is that there's very little cultural pressure here to go to church. Most of you, most of you, not all of you, but I would say the majority of you are here today because you want to be. And that's a cool thing. But I tell you, where I was from, I'd say half or more, it was a cultural thing. It was just pressure, cultural pressure. Half or more of the people who sat in the services didn't want to be there, Right? It just was a weird time. But here's, here's the one thing I learned. I went through all the church stuff, and, and it just, I never got it. I, you know, maybe have been they didn't say anything. But I never got it. All I got was the little denomination I went to, and they had all their little thoughts and rules, and, and this is what it does. And, this one. and so I just kind of turned my back on that. And, and I tell you what, what I, I threw myself into to fill that place in here was sports that was just who I was. I loved it. I, um, uh, there weren't many sports I could play, but I loved, I loved football because it was contact. And it's one of the few sports that you can play and, and the more aggressive you are, the better it is. Well, basketball, I'd foul out in the first quarter, right? But football, you don't foul out, right? Uh, and so I loved it. And so listen to this. Football became God, little g for me. It is what I used or attempted to use to fill that spot in here. Everybody does something. Everybody uses something. Everybody puts it in. Sometimes it's it's acceptable or respectable. Sometimes it's not. But there's a drive in every one of us to fill that place. I call it an answer for the present. Not just looking forward, but an answer for the present. That's where, I call it, where I Christ came. Him that you might have life and have it in abundance, right? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other words, that can happen now. It needs to happen now. Well, anyway, I'm not going to go into all this. But after three surgeries, I'd signed a football scholarship and went off to play at a school, at a college, University of Tennessee at Martin smaller school in the state of Tennessee, and after three surgeries, uh, the doctor came in, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details. If you want to hear more about it, I, I shared this at the dinner with the pastor. I just like people to understand a little bit where I came from, because I, I, don't, I think a lot of times people, people look at you up here, and they think you are somebody that you're not. Does that make sense? And I, I'm probably just a whole lot like you are. I probably grew up a whole lot like you did. I don't know. But anyway, so I, the doctor looked at me, because the last one was a head injury. He says, you can't you can't play anymore. And I was I was crushed. But see, I was I was naive as a 20 year old. Um because when you put all your eggs when you in your in the basket and, and to fill that empty place with a, with a sport, especially one like football, it could be gone tomorrow. And then you're on the floor. Let me tell you something, guys, if you're filling that empty place in here with something that's temporary, then you're cruising for a life crisis. It's just the truth. We know it to be the truth. We don't know there's anything else. Sometimes we medicate to fill that empty place, right? Either prescription medication or or non-prescription medication, all right? But you know what it does? It does. Let me tell you this. I just want you to hear it. It works. It does fill it temporarily. That's it. You feel good. You feel at peace. You have, but it's synthetic. It's not real, and it wears off, and it makes it worse afterwards. It's a trap. But so are so many other things. But if God truly did create us, have a relationship with Him, then the only thing that's going to fill that place is Him. Guys, I'm here to tell you. When I became a believer when I was 21, and it didn't happen overnight, when I became a believer, and that empty place started filling. Didn't mean everything was perfect, didn't mean I believed everything perfect, didn't mean I did everything perfect. But all of a sudden, purpose and meaning and a sense of some real contentment overcame me, not because I tried, but because he began to work and An answer for the present began to make sense to me. Having a a purpose and a direction. Something that actually had meaning to it. You know, the big thing today is life is, right? And then dot, dot, dot. How do you fill in that? What is life is? You know, life is, you hear it all the time, is surfing. Life is fishing. Life is, is that really what it's all about? I'm here to tell you all of those things. Occupation. Success, they will never feel that, that will never fill that place in here. And it'll be heavy longing for more. Right? Incredible how it works. But when when obviously when he fills that place, it's filled. It's filled. Now, I want to move on because these things kind of bleed together. Number, number obviously, one is an answer for our past, number two is an answer for the present. Number three is the an answer for the future. Now, let me tell you what I mean by these. This, this, is, this is an incredible thing to think about when you think about the future. And uh, when you think about an answer, really, this, the answer is, is an answer to death. And, um, and Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in fact, you're going, Ecclesia what? Well, it's, it's in the Old Testament, and it's the most depressing book in the entire Bible. Okay, Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. But if you want an education on what I'm talking about, that God fills your present read the book of Ecclesiastes. Jeff, why don't you tell us to read a depressing book? Well, why is it depressing? Because Solomon attempted, with a whole lot of different things, to fill that empty place in his life with other things. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. He filled it with undertaking great works, right? That is his work. He filled it with wealth. He filled it with sex. He filled it with pleasure. He filled it with a bunch of comedians and dancers and laughter and entertainment. He tried to fill it. Look, look, it's all in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the reason it's so depressing, he just keeps saying meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. I mean, it's like chasing after the wind. Read the book of Ecclesiastes if you want a good depressing jolt of what life really is. Aren't you glad you came today? Happy Easter to everybody. But I want you... (laughs) But Ecclesiastes, this, I mean, again, this is the real stuff. This is the real reason for Easter when you understand what, who he was and what he came to do. But Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, God's made everything beautiful in its time. And also it says here, this is interesting, that God himself put eternity into your heart. That means you were created to have the ability to look ahead. There's not a person in the room that hasn't thought, even if you're atheistic, you haven't thought about what happens after death. Why? Because it's in you. You were created with the ability to look past those things and into the, and into the future. It goes on to say that you'll never truly find out until it happens. That's what the end of verse 11 says. Because you can't find out what God's done from the beginning and the end. Why? Because you're finite, right? That you are relegated to your little time spot. But there's something about, again, all three of these bleed together. Past, present, and future, right? Because future is secure because your past is forgiven, right? Present has a purpose because of who Christ is and what he came to do. So they all bleed together. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says this. It says, and this is the testimony that God's given us eternal life, okay? That this life's in his son. Those who have the son have this life. What does that mean? Future. A future that's secure. Eternity. An existence that where time God created time, so it's an existence where time is is no longer counted. It's hard to imagine because none of us have ever experienced it. An existence without time. Everything is time passing, right? Everything is. Anyway, whoever has the sun has life. Whoever does not have the sun does not have life. And look at listen to this. I write these things to you. John tells you why i write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Now there's something real important about that verse. He wants you to know. He wants you to be secure in that place. That you may know that you have a life. Okay. That you may know that Think about that. It's true. Okay? Uh, the truth is the truth. If Jesus truly is who he says he was and did what he did, I'm here to tell you this is an incredible day to celebrate. But it also affects everything about you. When you know that your future is secure, it will cause you to live differently. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Right. I have an illustration here for you we don't want to talk about. Now, this right here is a piece of wood, right? Y'all are good. Okay. Now, it's a, it's a one by six, right? It's just, it is what it is. Now, I want to I I share something with you, is that those of you that come to church here, you just need to realize that you have an extremely talented pastor. Alright, are we ready? All right, we're we ready. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right. Here's the tricky part. All right. Now, I want you to think about this for a second, okay? You're saying, Jeff, okay, anybody in the room could probably do that, and I understand that. But if I was to fall off, I'm only an inch. Does that make sense to you? So I could walk it a hundred times, okay? I could walk it with my eyes closed and be fine. Why? Because I'm secure. Something weird happens and I fall off. So who cares? But... People live differently when they're secure. Guys, if you're a believer here today, you should live differently because you're secure. That I may know. He came not just so that you could hope so, maybe so, He came that you could know. One of the biggest differences in my life is, is knowing that I'm secure. And that as I do the things that I do, I don't, I don't have to worry if I fall because I'm secure. Now, let's, let's change the odds a little. You're going, Jeff, that's the dumbest illustration I've ever seen. I hear you, but it's about to get smarter, all right? Take a look at this real quick, all right? Go ahead and open up the curtain, all right? All right, now, do you think you live different, all right? Do you think you live different when life is not secure? Oh, yeah, you're about to see it, all right? (laughs) And so you're looking at me and say, Pastor, please get down. All right, all right. Now, yeah, some of you want to see it, you know. Yeah, I don't need, you. I don't need you here. All right, now. I can tell you this. I might make it, but it's not like walking down there. Does that make sense to you? When you are secure, you'll even try it with your eyes closed. You'll try it backwards. Not up here, you won't. Have you ever wondered why people in this world live in such fear? I don't don't ever stand in judgment of people who live in fear. Because I know what that looks like. I know what it means walking across this. You know, when you think about it, no, I'm not going to. But I want you to think about that for a second. You, know, you want to know why people get so worked up? Midlife crises and I'm just so afraid that I'm going to miss out, you know, because you only go around once. I want you to know that people who say oh, you only go around once are those who are not secure. Because they think they only got one shot. And so they have to squeeze every little bit of thrill and fun out of it while they're here. And what about those that get Early, so many people dread about catching a disease, especially when you're younger. Having some sort of traumatic event that would cut short—why? Because it's all I got. Guys, when you know your future is secure, this world doesn't doesn't hold the grip on you like it does on so many. Why? Well. It's just kind of, if I fall, it's okay. Right? I want to go sideways or backwards, wow. look at that. Look at Jeff go. I don't have to worry about those things. I'll tell you what, though, sometimes, though, even if you have a security in your future, you can still come to fear because you live in this world and it keeps putting those things in you you know, bucket lists and all that. And there's nothing wrong with having a bucket list. Knock yourself out. Do the things, you know, that, I mean, I think God put a lot of those things on this earth for us to enjoy. But let me tell you this. I'm not counting on having to do everything because I only live once. Let me tell you what, and just because somebody dies at a young age doesn't mean their life is wasted, if you understand this. Because life is in him. It's not in getting what you want here. So you see this having a, a security in the future bleeds over in the way that you live in your present. You can just tell the people who have freedom in the present because they have security in the future. Does that make sense to you? Therefore, it's one of the biggest things I can tell you before I became a believer. I was I was steady running. You know, I've always liked to say, I, I share this all the time at our dinner with the pastor, but I said, you know, when you're going downhill, you can make great time. Does anybody know what I'm talking? And I was going downhill, and I was trying to pick up as much speed as I could because you you have to try to experience everything because, you know, life's short, right? That kind of thing. I don't have that kind of pressure in my life. Why? Because I have a future that's secure. As I close, I have one other one other verse I'd like to share with you that I think is, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, take a look now, if you will, in the answer to our future. Take a look at uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Question. So many times people have asked me a question, Jeff, what does that mean, walk in newness of life? Well, this is one. There are many. This is one illustration of what it means to walk in newness of life. There's a difference between walking down here and walking up there. There just is. It's newness. You know, I never knew, I never knew that I could walk across this so easily. I just never knew. Up there, I was constantly terrified of what was going to happen. Interesting. Walking in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in his death, right, uh, like his, then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Pretty interesting to know. Okay? The old self was crucified in order that the body of sin, that is sin, might be brought to nothing, might be done away with. That's, that's the past. You see the past, present, and future in this passage. I have to skip ahead so that I can, I can be done. But read the rest of chapter 6, basically 4 through 9. It uh, has some neat things in it. But here's where I'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, this is the one that you hear. I did, a, I did a funeral. I did a memorial day. I mean, I did a funeral service yesterday. It's something that nobody wants to talk about, but it's, a, it's something that all of us look at. But if it's secure, it's nothing to be scared of. Chapter 15, verse 52. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, uh, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. Uh, and we shall be uh, changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable. I don't know about you, but that's that's good news. This one is like we've already talked to you about. This one's this one's kind of heading downhill. Now I think you ought to fight as much as you can from going downhill. But you're going downhill again. I know you're glad you came on Easter, but it is the truth. But the picture is is that what will be inherited. Is something that doesn't perish, that doesn't degrade. Interesting. Okay, and that the that the mortal puts on immortality, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, mortal puts on immortality. Thus show the uh, this the past come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed in victory. Now, guys, if that's the truth, if that is the truth. Then, it, then there's nothing else greater than that one. I mean, if I truly, I've told you hundreds of times, if you got an answer to death, you don't have any problems. A few minor annoyances along the way, but other than that, you don't have any. But it's just so hard to keep that perspective. But if that is true, as I've told you a couple of weeks ago, if he's got the answer to death, I don't care what he teaches. I don't, I don't care what happens. If he's got that answer, if he truly was who he says he was, And if he truly did what he said he did, that is what makes today the greatest celebration of the year, when you truly understand what it means. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. (laughs) Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death or grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. Uh, The power of sin is the law. That is the rules. You can't keep them. What is it about this? So many of us, that if I want you to do something, all I have to do is tell you you can't do it. That's what lives in all of us, right? To some degree. But thanks be to God. What? Thanks be to God who's given us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because of who he was, he gave us an answer to our past, to our present. Our past has forgiveness. Our present has purpose. And our future is secure. All three of them are affected which brings us to a pretty incredible day. So As I close, just understand, as I close this, this thought, if you're not real sure where you are, remember, guys, this has nothing to do. I also say this often because I believe it with all my heart. What I'm sharing with you do is that's why I used a whole lot of Scripture verses. This is not what Catholics think, what Baptists think, what Methodists think, and all the other denominations. They all have their little set of rules and all the different things. This is his message to you personally. This has nothing to do with anybody else. It's you. Why? Because this is a personal, this is personal. He came, he came for you. He came for all of us, yes, but it came for you. But you, you are personal. And so there's this thought of, have you ever put your faith and trust in him? I'm, I'm, this, we're not talking about religion. Why? Because religion is following a bunch of rules to be right with God. And you can't do that. Okay? There's no rule you can follow that makes you right with God. There's only one thing that makes a person right with God, and that's what Christ did at the cross and resurrection. That's it. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and life. No one comes to God but by me. Why? Because he is the way. He is the way. So as I close, there's never been that time in your life. I remember after I'd attended services like this, somebody had invited me, and I came. And I attended services like this for several months, and the guy was talking about what it meant to be a follower of Christ and what it meant to be a believer. After about four months, I was driving back home. And um, I just remember telling God if I live 20 more minutes or 20 more years, or years, that's all I said. I didn't have anybody, wouldn't they? Nobody showed me. Nobody talked to me about what I would say. I just put my faith and trust in him, and it came out in words like if I live 20 more minutes or 20 more years. The words don't matter is, is that what you want for your heart is the intent of your heart to follow and put your faith and trust in him and who he is and what he came to do. If you're saying, If you'd like to talk to somebody, guys, the reason I do this is not to make anybody nervous. But I never want anyone leaving one of our services who wanted to talk to somebody but couldn't, but couldn't find anybody. Okay? They'll be right here. Everybody else is going to be blowing out of here, brother. It's Easter, right? And if you want to talk, <laughs> okay, I'm getting off page fast, right? <laughs> but they'll be right here. Don't leave the day with tons of questions. If you say, Jeff, I just don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, we, we stocked these booklets. It's called Connecting to God. It's got a little C1 on it. And, and it just has a, if you want to take these, you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just pick one up. They've they got them out in the, in the lobby, and it says, got questions. And it uh, just has a little CD in there. We're working on get it to where I, you don't even have to stop by out there. You can just download it, all right? All right? This is, believe it or not, I, this is becoming the dinosaur, which is hard for me to believe. But you'll still have to get one of these, right, until we can get that done. So grab one of these on your way. Uh, it's got a few pages that will talk to you, but there's a message in there that tells you more about who Christ is. what He can God bless you guys today, and if you are a believer, if you are a believer, then leave in the peace and the contentment and the freedom that he wants you to, right? Don't let fear grip you because you don't have to, you're not walking up there, you're you're down here, whether you think you're up there or not, It's pretty neat thing, but ah, I've got to stop, I've got to stop, all right, God bless you guys, happy Easter to all of you, all right? All right. All right. Let's all stand. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. Let's be dismissed. Hey, I'm going to head to the guest reception. God bless you guys for being here. It's an exciting day. But if you're a guest, please stop by. I'd love to shake your hands. Right out the middle doors, you'll see me back there uh, if you have enough time uh, to stop. All right. God bless. Have a happy Easter. Anthony, why don't you close us? Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Yeah, that uh, guest reception is right there, the glass room he talked about. We also always like to say, uh, we know we're a big church, but man, if, if this is your first time with us or you're back for the first time in a while, we'd love to get you plugged into a small group. That's where we see a lot of growth happen. Uh, you can come out here uh, in the lobby on the left. That's our connection center. we got all kinds of small groups that meet at all kinds of times. We'd love to get you plugged in. Um, the guest reception is there. Pastor DJ will be down here uh, if you have any questions. And uh, as Pastor Jeff said, thank you so much for joining us. I'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for just the freedom and the peace that you offer us through your death and resurrection, and I just pray that that would uh, just stay with us all day and the rest of the year. Uh, God, we love you. Bring us all back safely next week. In your name we pray. Amen.